Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. excitement today. Hello! It is the 25th of September, 2001B. No, t- 2013. Sorry. Can't even read your own damn handwriting, no, can you? Now it says 203. <laughs> it's the 25th of September, some century, sometime. Probably 2013, episode 129 of The Skeptic Wire. I'm your greeting host, Gary Lawn, and with me this week are Greg Perrine. We better get this podcast done real quick before the government shutdown. Precisely. Something like that. Because agreement is comedy. And back from parts unknown is Donna Swafford. (laughs) Or at least part of Donna Swafford that's slightly awake. She's technically here. (laughs) That's right, she is. I'm a a lump you all can vacuum around. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I don't know what to do with that one. <laughs> Lift your feet. <laughs> uh, do, do we want to talk about everybody's week so far? Sure, yeah. let's talk about everybody's week. Yeah. Had a lot of stuff go on. Had insomnia kick in. I'd really rather go to bed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea. Uh, would, were you speaking English at the beginning of that? Yes. Okay, I didn't know what you said. She, she was Would speaking English. Would you like English. me to speak in some other language? I can. No, that's fine. I think she was speaking in English, but she was speaking in code. Oh, okay. Well, we hope you get to some. The sl- eagle sleep. flies at midnight. The chocolate strikes at dawn. Pardon me, your garden hose is stuck in my microwave. That's no. not a euphemism. That's a. That's really happening. It's really stuck in his microwave. <laughs> yeah, is this one of those experiments for science kind of thing? No, we're, we're trying to figure out if the government actually, you know, is recording us and listening to us. Ah, we're recording us. Yeah, but the government might be recording us too. Perhaps yeah. one of us works for the government now. No. Greg? Mm-hmm. Well, contractor, kind of. Yeah. Vaguely. So, so, so you're s- the narc. That's what you're saying. I'm always the narc. Well, the question is, would a government contractor use a Mac? Could they afford it? Well, the well, contractor hold on. could. Hold but on. someone actually working for the government, could they afford a Mac? Well, hold on. You're talking about the government that spent $725 on a toilet seat and $900 on a hammer. I think they can afford a Mac. Per, well, yeah, but, I mean, they had to buy ice cream for all the aliens they're hiding. But I really like the West Wing explanation of why things cost so much, because they want to build, like, an ashtray that doesn't shatter, it breaks into three pieces, so they have to build a really good ashtray, a really good toilet seat. Okay. Hold on. The government, which goes down to the lowest bidder, who always ends up bidding eight times what he originally started out with, yeah, it's not working. What you're saying is, uh, toilet seats, for example... Are subsidized. Yes. We live in a socialist nation. Except when they <laughs> cut food stamps. 
Yeah, but or at least when... we got cheap toilet seats. Which, which no, no, would you rather we have? We don't. The military <laughs> does. We don't. No, no. Or if, if they weren't charging 900 or paying $900 for toilet seats, we would be paying $900 for toilet seats. But we're not. We're only paying upwards of $50. Unless you get like the really fancy ones that are... So you, Why, you're using the... back on toilets? You're using the... <laughs> like three fucking weeks in a row. <laughs> you're using the NASA invented memory foam argument? That they invented it and developed it, now we reap the benefits of cheap toilet seats? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Works. That and, you know, uh, toilet seat manufacturers are subsidizing toilet seats by selling it to the government for more than it costs. Sort of like rest of the world can get cheap drugs, whereas we're paying $100 a pill or something. Okay. (laughs) So we're subsidizing the rest of the world. I agree with it. You're welcome, world. So, Greg, you want to talk about your week? (laughs) Well, it wasn't necessarily my entire week, but it was my entire day today. Which can ruin an entire week, actually. I was planning on spending leisurely lunch hour reading up on the last-minute articles I hadn't finished and stuff like that for the podcast, only to find that my supervisor... Okay, I'm a programmer. My... There are versions of a program that are waiting to go into our production system for customers to use. Right. There's version 1, version 2, and version 3. They're all developed on the same program, but they ha- they mix in different elements at different times. My supervisor, unbeknownst to me and for no apparent good reason, moved version 2 into the production system without asking me and just moved it and caused the system to go kablooey. Is that... a and it is a technical term. <laughs> so I spend my entire day trying to figure out why he did this, what I can do to fix it, and, and what we can do to make it right, and you know, put in elements that the version 2 references that aren't there in production because they were right. in version so 1. Without, and without, without um, reverting to, say, a previous backup that should have been made before the uh, version 2 was put well, into production. Well, that's the thing. The, the system I works in... I, the system... The system I work in... Evo, shut up. You've got all The system I work in... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Laugh it up, fuzzball. <laughs> Ghetto programmers. <laughs> what do you work in? I work in C++. <laughs> That's three snaps in a Z formation. <laughs> How many other groups can we offend in this rant? I was just quoting in living color. I know. <sighs> Go ahead. So that's just the thing, that our system is set up, the software system is set up so that you can, if there's a problem, revert to a previous version with essentially a click of a button. But for whatever reason, the... The clicker part didn't work? No, it does work. The button work. part didn't work. The people who are authorized to do that... <laughs> He's in charge of pressing the button. Yeah, the people who are in charge of <laughs> pressing the button to make it go back to the previous version refuse to press the button and won't tell anybody why. <laughs> I shit you not. This you know, is what I, my, I was saying. Is it a button next to a red phone? You know, okay. my, my, guess also, is, my guess is they, they screwed up on the previous backup, and they don't want to tell anybody. Well, it, no, it's, it's not a... All versions are in the system. It's uh-huh. All they have to do is say, instead of version 2, revert back to version 0. Okay. 
and that should be the active version in the system. That's all they have to do. That's how the system is designed. Okay, so what you're saying or is that by designed. doing this, I could work for your company. Okay, it's not technically a button. It's software. So You it, said press a button. I but for all intents and purposes, that's all they have to do. They have to click their mouse in a certain screen on a certain thing and say make that the active version, not that. All it takes is actually doing something. So the, the frustration as a skeptic today is, one, my boss, just without reason, without thinking ahead, without stopping and thinking what might be the ramifications of this, just went ahead and did something without critical thinking. The other frustration is this group that is supposed to, who could revert the, the version back to the original version, just says, no, we don't do that. But that's what the system can do. That's your job. You can do that. No, but we don't do that. Well, why? We just don't do that. That's not a reason! You need a re requisition number. Sign in triplicate. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that frustrates me as uh, someone who is tries to promote critical thinking and, and reason and say, okay, well, if the, the simplest solution is to just go back to the previous version instead of having to create these workarounds and extra versions going into the system and all that, and I'm taking up, up entirely too much time <laughs> of the podcast, but that's just, it's, it's the kind of frustrating day you deal with. And, and I was just, you know, my coworkers, the people in the other cubicles around could tell I was frustrated as hell. Yeah. And it's we never would have so guessed. hard, yes, to take the high road in that situation. Hmm. Well, I'm glad that you that you took the high road because apparently uh, you cannot take the high road and blame, say, a mouse infestation on <laughs> gay pride. Yes. <laughs> this. Uh, do you want to talk about this? Because this is a, a neat story that one of our listeners, Natasha, sent into our Facebook yeah. page. I think it was today. Yeah, I think it was today. Okay, since I was so busy, please enlighten me. Well, apparently, if your store has a rat infestation, the problem is, according to the Christian voice, Stephen Green, is because you support LGBT rights. Okay, okay, hold on. Let me, let me attempt to wrap a brain around this. So, I'm a store owner, and I own a flower shop, bakery, whatever. And rather than, like, leaving greens out or food out, and I develop a some sort of rodent infestation... In this case, a single super rodent. A single super rodent. Yes. I so this is like elephant rat. Like, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little Godzilla rat. <laughs> that's what they're saying. That's what, that's what so, this... Uh... So if that happens in my florist slash bakery slash mechanic auto whatever store bait and tire shop that is because i support gays yeah or basically human any, rights any any uh, bigoted reason whatsoever yeah. okay in this particular case it was because you would be supporting gay rights the mr green of christian voice his he's quoted oh, as are we, are we getting quotes yes we got a quote Yay! It is symptomatic of the bad management at Tesco. Any company which announces its support for gay pride six weeks before Christmas obviously cannot... <laughs> Damn it. Obviously cannot operate basic pest control. I much prefer obviously. 
Right. Now, imagine, imagine that that's actually done in the British accent because it's about Tesco and yes. right. Tesco is done in the American accent. Uh, it seemed to be the point of view of this guy, Mr. Green, that because you have a business that is basically shoddy enough to support LGBT rights that shows that all of your business and management techniques must obviously be horrible. Therefore, you leave out the weight gain 3,000 protein shake mix, whatever, whatever it is that made the rat the super rat, and is apparently leaving pink droppings everywhere and making everything like unsafe and leave, leads problems. to a 45,000-pound fine, not weight money. Um, now, what's, what's kind of <laughs> hilarious about this whole thing... Okay, I'm looking at... You I, mean other than just the complete... Stupid? It's completely yeah, stupid. You. But I just realized the site that this is from is pinknews.co.uk, yes. which is a, Europe's largest gay news service. I didn't realize that uh, because I'm looking over in, in the sidebar and looking at the, at the ads. The, the and targeted all, ads? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, that's hilarious. All the targeted ads. Oh, wait, this is a gay site. <laughs> well, that makes sense. You were thinking that you were going to have to start entering badminton in all your yes. internet searches just so the algorithm would change from gay, Gary likes gay porn kind of stuff? Yes, exactly. How do you know that he doesn't? Well, that's because whenever he goes to the bathroom while we're recording the podcast, I enter Gary likes gay porn into his search term, so the algorithm constantly... Me- that explains all the gay badminton tournaments that I keep copying. <laughs> <laughs> you jerk. Gary likes his shuttlecocks. <laughs> nice. Very quick. Uh, in case you're wondering about the badminton reference, uh, it's something that uh, for a last... I guess two years, just about from from the time of this podcast, I noticed that I was getting targeted ads whenever I, I would talk about coffee or uh, there, there was gay another, porn. No, there was there was another term that, that I talked about uh, in, in my Facebook shuttlecocks. Yeah, sure, I, I would be getting all these targeted ads like on YouTube or in the sidebar at Facebook. Uh, it pop up coffee, meet single ladies. All that kind of stuff. Well, the single ladies ones are, I think, India, everybody gets that just because they're human. But I was getting coffee makers and all different types of coffees popping up. And that was because I was, you know, I have the thing called the Coffee Chronicles. So I thought, well, wait a minute. Let's see if we can change this and, and get, get a movement going where everybody types badminton into their Facebook and just... And so, like, all these uh, companies will start freaking out. It's like, oh, we don't have a – we have a badminton gap. <laughs> we have a shuttlecock gap. And no, then the I'm gap sure starts carrying badminton shirts. <laughs> yeah. So, so then I was hoping I'd start seeing some badminton ads pop up, but unfortunately that never really happened. We'll have to try harder. We'll put yeah. it in the, the tag for the show notes, badminton. There we go. And I, I suggest everyone just, you know, at the end of, of your Facebook posts or whatever, you know, just uh, put – Tag. Bad, yeah, just – Tag badminton or just write badminton. And see how much that changes your targeting ads. Yeah. Yeah. And see if, see if uh, we can make it the next bacon. <laughs> nah, that's not even that funny. But the important thing is that Natasha, one of our listeners, sent us an <laughs> article which was pretty neat to talk about and, and silly. And yes. snark on. Yes. Mmm, snark. Nom, because nom, I nom, do nom. think that we have an, another t-shirt is Gary likes shuttlecock now. <laughs> I'm thinking that's not. <laughs> we are... I don't know that I have veto power, but... <laughs> no, well, we are technically a democracy of three. Each one of us has veto power. Yeah, but see, now, that gives you guys 66%. 
<laughs> which in Congress would have you a, a supermajority. Yes, but you're known very well, not just for your shuttlecocks, but your filibuster. And this is true. Yeah. So, um, but you know, an interesting thing that you can buy from Tesco, what I think, well, most store chains, is like birthday cards. A birthday cake! Uh, cards. Oh, cards. Cake sounds really I think Tesco good. also sells cake. Probably birthday cake, yeah. Yeah. So, um, do we have a birthday? We have a birthday today, and it is someone who is very much alive. No, my, it's my brother's birthday. Is it my brother? Happy, no, it is not your brother. Happy birthday, Gary's brother, who yeah. probably doesn't uh, brother, listen to brother this. Brother number one. No, he does not listen <laughs> As far as I know. You never know. He might be stalking you. Well, the person whose birthday it is probably also does not listen to this podcast. Uh, okay, but it's still very much alive. Yes. That's not the reason why he doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, okay. I've given something away already. It's a he. It is somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, that narrows it down, doesn't it, Donna? That makes it 50%. <laughs> uh, this person is a very famous television personality. Uh, okay. A little bit more very famous, like super famous, like world famous, or you, just United States You famous? both know him by name and by sight. You might really? even see a outline caricature of this person and know immediately that Alfred that's Hitchcock. That's, no, that's very. He's awful dead. I'm, I'm just. It's. It's not that there are caricatures of him that are famous. It's that. Okay, he's got a very famous look. Jerry Seinfeld. No. Uh, particularly known for wearing the same outfit. All the time. Oh, 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 oh! Hold on, hold on, hold Apparently on. Apparently, he has on. a degree. Carrie, Carrie, Mythbusters, Jamie Heineman. Yes. Oh, okay. Yay! What glue actually gave it to you? <laughs> the, the same outfit. Same outfit. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't have caught that because I don't watch <laughs> Mythbusters. Yeah. He, so basically, yeah, he he just wears like a long white fuck. <laughs> he wears a long white fuck. Wow! You, you mean, you get you mean an actual fuck or a frock? <laughs> Sometimes he wears frocks, yes. Yes, so he wears a long-sleeved white shirt and a beret all the time, and he's very famous for his kind of walrusy mustache goatee type thing going on. It's very Cthulhu-esque. And, uh, yeah, he's one of the mis- mi- myth misbusters. <laughs> oh, myth! Myth! Yeah. Yes? Yeah, he's one of the mis- Fuck! <laughs> Mistbusters. <laughs> On AdamandEve.com. <clears throat> yeah, he's one of the Mythbusters, along with uh, Adam Savage and the other three that people <laughs> <laughs> don't know quite as well. Cary Grant and Tori? Yeah, them. And and just a nice, good, sciencey show that all our listeners probably know of, but it is his birthday today. Cool! Happy birthday, Mr. Heineman. Yeah. You know, the other thing about giving birth is apparently it's quite painful. Do we have a whack a meme talking about birthing? Yes. So there has recently been a photo passing around on Facebook that says it, it shows a picture of a woman in labor and then there's a crude drawing of a baby being born and it says a human body can only bear up to 45 del parentheses units of pain. 
Yet, at the time of giving birth, a mother feels up to 57 del unit of pain. This is similar to 20 bones simultaneously getting fractured at a time. Can you imagine it now? A mother's pain and love. Please share so others may know. So, is this? do you think this is more or less scientific than the Bill Cosby idea of emulating what birth pain feels like in that you take your lower lip and pull it up over your head? And I that's what birth pain feels like? Right. Well, I, I, got a, I got a couple of bitches about this meme. Number one would be, if that's all a human body can bear, the human race would have died out millions of years ago. Yeah. We would not have gone this far. Every, every once in a while, you know, something bad happens, a tear happens, and maybe a mother bleeds out or something, but... Most of the time, births kind of work. Right. So the idea that someone can only limit this amount of pain and women feel this amount of pain, which pain is subjective. Right. So if you break your arm and I break my arm, you might say it's only a four where I'm going, oh my God, it's dead. It's the worst pain I've ever felt. Where's the morphine? Where the stereotype is because I've never gone through childbirth. Birch. What the fuck is going on this week? Borsch. Borsch, 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 Borsch. Where I have not gone through child Borsch. Where the stereotype is that since I, a male, have not gone through childbirth, I'm the one who can't handle pain, but since you have, you can. Right. Not you, Gary. Donna. Right. Well, the listeners didn't know who I was looking at. This is true. Or who you're talking to, for that matter. I was talking to Or who was talking I don't think I was talking to Harpo either. I don't know if she's had cubs. Cubs? Puppies? Puppies. Things. <laughs> God, she had cubs. I just I am pretty sure my dog has not had cubs. So, yeah, I mean, so this is completely and utterly bullshit. Do we know where they get this idea of what it was at 35 versus 52 pounds? Right. That's their See, ass, apparently. Um... Well, I guess that there has been debate in the scientific community as for a pain scale. And Dell, they suspect, comes from the word dolor, which is pain in Latin and all of this jazz. But once again, this was an idea that was floated around briefly in the 50s and just never really went to anywhere. In addition, you can't get a standard measurement of pain because no. my pain is different from your pain, Subjective. which is different from your pain. and. Our listeners are going, I'm getting kind of painful listening to you go on about this, Donna. So I, I like how the meme talks about how, you know, this many dells of, this many deltoids of pain or whatever means that it'd be the equivalent of 50 bones breaking or something like right. that. Where, yes, childbirth does is adjacent to bones, but it's not the bones that are the painful part. Right, it's the uterine childbirth. contractions. It's that yeah. tightening up. That, you and know, the... sudden muscle going, Argh! But see, I don't, I don't think that this was actually a, originally, I don't think that this was a serious thing. I think it was supposed to be a joke because on, on the page that I'm looking at called uh, factsfromfiction.blogspot.com, they have another uh, JPEG on there 
which uh, on the top it says, do you know a human body can bear only up, uh, only up to 45 del of pain, but at the same time giving birth, a woman feels up to 57 del of pain, similar to 20 bones getting fractured getting cracked love your mother time. Thank love your mother and the next one is do you know a kick in the nuts is above 9,000 the scale of pain <laughs> it's similar to giving birth to 160 kids so I have a feeling that this was actually it's probably if we researched it it probably started out as a joke it's similar to the pulling the scrotum over the head kind well of it's thing. bottom lip scrotum right. would be even worse pain because it's further to go oh no I heard one with the scrotum uh, but your Bill, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby is, bottom is, the, is the bottom lip. Right. Oh. He he works clean. Yes, he and does. And then, in addition, like the article says, there's a lot of other factors that go into the amount of pain a woman experiences. Obviously, her size versus the child size versus position, and, and there's there's a variety of things. And yet, yes, I have given birth, and I am all about the epidural. I'm like. Boom. Epidural. I mean, I'm asking for it when I walked in the door. I feel like <laughs> she's asking for it during sex. Actually, <laughs> that's that's correct, dear listener, because the minute she walked in the door to my house, she said, "Where's the epidural?" Yep. <laughs> so, like I said, and this she's is... not even given birth. I, that was implied, but I thought yeah. I <laughs> right. So this is what I say. It's it's pretty much hokum. It's probably a joke, but it's going around on Facebook. But hey, tell your mother that you love her anyway. She'd probably like to hear it. Can't tell them enough. Well, you probably can if you just constantly told them. Which is, go get, move out. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the cord, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, Spacey. Ha, ha! You're 47. You shouldn't still be breastfeeding. That's creepy. That's way that's creepy. what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full creepitude. I awkward think I... silence. Speaking about creepy. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to tie in. Voyager 1 has slowly been creeping its way out of the solar system. Very good. Into the creepy blackness of interstellar space. Racist. What is that? <laughs> Not racist at all. NASA finally decided that Voyager has left the building. Okay. In, the, in, in this case, the building being the heliopause of of our solar system. It's not out of the solar system because beyond the heliopause in the uh, is the Oort cloud which which is a big thing of comets and icy bodies and stuff. But the heliopause is basically the the sh- the shock wave and the the stuff that the sun gives off. So it's if you if, if you think sun. from the 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 center being the sun you go out past the the eight right. planets. Right. If, if you if if we're a heliocentric. Yes. Thing, yeah. But I mean, if uh, you're Earth centric. The center yes. being the sun, you go out past the eight planets. You hit the termination shock, which is where the solar medium and the interstellar medium start kind of conflicting with each other, into the helio sheath, which is right. has several layers of how much of it is solar radiation versus interstellar radiation. Then you get to the heliopause, which is the outer level of that helio sheath out of that is technically in interstellar space space <laughs> you you almost you almost made it <laughs> i did i almost made it but once you get out of the helio sheath now you are in interstellar space mm-hmm. but 
like Gary said, because you've still got the Oort Cloud, which is the next layer out, right. and which that, Voyager has another couple hundred years before it even hits the Oort Cloud. Right, but that's still amazingly affected by our sun. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, gravity-wise, it's yeah. part of the solar system. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's insanely far it's out It's interstellar there. space, so the Oort Cloud is kind of the half and half of the interstellar world. I couldn't come up with a better metaphor. Half and half of the... Well, um, coffee? <laughs> No, that it's it's interstellar space, but it's still part of the solar system. So well, you could almost call it the cell boundary. It's uh, if if you look at the the solar system as a cell, and the sun is the nucleus, and the the, the stars are you know cytoplasm and all that crap. Then the Oort cloud would be kind of the the cell boundary. So it has to get through that. Okay, what's the mitochondria? Oh, I don't know. Probably probably uh, the the plutoid. But Plutoid is outside of... Yes, anyway. Um, you just kept saying Oort Cloud, and I just kept going, astronauts are playing World of Warcraft. What's going on? I completely lost I was me. going more for a Mork and Mindy vibe, but... Mork from wow. Oort Cloud. <laughs> I at least went with something kind of modern. That are, you know, that our listeners... In, might. The, in, in the grand scheme of things of the... 14 billion years of the universe, Mork and Mindy is relatively recent. Sure. And nobody knows what you're talking about on the podcast. That's okay. Well, what we do know about is that in 1977, Voyager 1 got lifted off from... Actually, Voyager 2 left before Voyager 1. Right. So about a few weeks apart, yeah, Voyager 2 left first, and then September 5th, 1977, Voyager 1 left. But Voyager 1's course meant it got to some places first. Right. And, and By, could, like, 1980, it had passed, like, Saturn and all that, and its primary mission had finished. And right. then it just kept going. Yeah, it, well, it was made to keep going. We, yeah. we knew, we, we gave it, we, the <laughs> yes. human race, yes. NASA, gave it enough velocity to leave the solar system. As yeah, because to, I didn't give it any velocity. I was trying to hold it down. <laughs> well, I was yeah. seven years old and I didn't want it to go technically in some small way our gravity of our three bodies is technically very 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 smallly affecting Voyager 1 sure some of us more than others <laughs> but I mean everyone knows it's got a gold record on yes. it with a whole bunch of sounds from the earth Carl Sagan had a group that put put together. Uh, basically, it's going to tell the aliens where to find us, and they're going to come and eat us. And, although it doesn't necessarily tell tell them if we're tasty or not. The thing I've been wor- worried that we're made out of meat. <laughs> the thing I've been worried about more than the are the aliens going to come meet us is that okay, we've got this gold record with instructions on how to play the record and whatever that we've sent it out. Presuming that these people can see in a manner that would be able to... Yeah, it's, do, it's got lines and diagrams to say you kind of do a needly thing here. And, a, and Anyway, so for 36-odd years, this thing has been flying through the solar system, getting bombarded with probably micrometeoids, solar radiation, the whole ball of wax. Might that be affecting the record somehow? Yes, it's gold, like it's copper coated, coated in gold, but wouldn't that be degraded a I little bit? I don't know that it's necessarily exposed to the elements. Okay, because every picture I've seen of Voyager has the gold record just kind of stuck, stuck to the stuck side to with uh, double-sided tape or, or something. Good question. 
I, the only <laughs> double-sided tape. The only nice. reason I can think that it it would work is that the instructions are on the back, and on the grooved side, which actually has the Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles and the Carl Sagan saying hello, is on the inside facing the satellite itself. That would probably make a lot of sense. And these were fairly intelligent people that put this together. They could have had a big brain fart and not have done that. Yeah. But well. Sucks anyway, because apparently the Klingons in, what was it, Star Trek Three blew it up. Okay, could be, could be. And, and of course, to play this record, the wherever it's found, they're going to have to have a cactus needle and, and a small cup. And be hipsters, because those are the only people with record players anymore. <laughs> exactly. I'm Alien not hipsters. a hipster, and I own one. Okay, sorry, I hit a soft spot there. Moving on. Moving um, on. So the last couple of years, it seems like every few weeks, some news article has come out. Voyager has finally left the solar system. Yeah. Voyager has finally left and entered interstellar space. And the reason why NASA has finally come down and said, oh, okay, fine, we're going to say, yes, we're falling on the side that, yes, it did reach interstellar space. Because basically there's this one instrument on the side of, well, I don't know if it's on the side, but one instrument on Voyager is called the plasma particle detector, and that's not working, and that's what would tell us if the proportion of particles were solar versus interstellar, because apparently mm-hmm. those are different in quality somehow. So there's been no way to really find that out, because the main instrument to find that out is broken, <laughs> or not working, or the wire got, it's got something cut by lie, gophers yeah. or aliens or something. Well, there's another plasma wave instrument that measures the kind of fluctuations in the particles and stuff. And it happens that in March 2012, there was this big solar eruption that took over a year to get to where Voyager is. Think of that, that. A solar eruption going at near relativistic speed took a year to get out of the solar system. That's a lot of space. Anyway, all all this... That's that's a hell of a lot of delta V on that... that, uh Ejection, too. Yeah. So, well, I don't know if it's relativistic, but it's going really, really fast. It's Well, yeah, it can't be relativistic because... It's 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 like the, the Millennium Falcon going 0.5 light speed or something. Yeah. It's faster than we can develop anything. Yeah, I don't think it's near light speed because it took a year. Remember, a light year is how far light can go in a year. Yes. <laughs> And to where Voyager is, it's only 17 hours. Yes. So, uh, 17 days. 17 hours. 17 hours. So yeah. 17 hours for them to send back and forth. So it's No, well, 17 hours one way. It's about yeah. 33 hours round trip. Okay. okay but yeah, so anyway. Anyway, we could probably do the math for you, but it's pretty darn fast, <laughs> but it's not light speed. No, it's but it's pretty darn fast. Apparently, this solar eruption vibrated all the particles that are around... Essentially, Voyager was going along, la, 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 and then the solar eruption came from behind and gone, and passed through, and that, the the other particle wave detector was able to detect, based on how the wave was moving through the particles, how dense the particles were, and then they were able to backtrack that kind of data to say, yes, in August of 2012, that's about where we estimate it when it did leave the heliopause. Right. So NASA says, okay, yes, despite all the tens of articles that have been going out the last couple of years, NASA has now said, yes. There are other people who still say, eh, 
We're not quite sure yet, but fortunately Voyager 2 is just a couple years behind Voyager 1 and can finally tell us for sure in a few years. Yeah. And that'll be cool. Except uh, Voyager 2 is going a completely different way. Yes, but the heliopause goes all around the sun. But it may not be perfectly symmetrical. That's a good point. But I I I think they're still... They're not, like, on opposite sides of the solar system, but they're going out, like... Are they not? I thought thought Voyager 2 was kind of going up-ish. But, okay, if, if you think of a balloon, whatever, they're both going out one direction, like, split maybe... 20 or 30 degrees apart, whether it's up or down or far apart. But it's not like one is going north and the other is going south is what I'm talking about. So they're going out in the general direction. So if you have the, you know, the idea of the direction the sun is traveling kind of flattens part of the heliopause because of the pressure buffering up against interstellar space. They're both kind of in one direction, I hope. So what you're saying is they're kind of like that, Far Side cartoon where the kid is pushing on the door that says pull. Midvale School for the Gifted? Yes. My so ex-fiance went to a Midvale school. Was Just she, saying. Was she? Was she gifted? <laughs> on the advice of my attorney, I refuse to answer that question. Uh, okay. Just thought I'd ask. Okay. They're, they're about 90 degrees apart, it looks like. Huh. But, they, but they are... But they're going out... The front of the Boshock, or the heliopause, uh, with how our solar system is traveling. Right. They're both going out the front, but one's kind of north of the elliptic, one's south of the elliptic, or something like that. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So they're running away from each other. They're separating, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be so sad for the kids. (laughs) Well, they are twins, so if they had kids, that's kind of creepy and disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, and Sorry. of course, because they are twins, uh, one can knows exactly what the other one's doing at all times. No. I thought that was because of the Ansible. The what? Okay, science fiction reference lost. Let's move on. The ants? Ansible. Oh, don't you mean Ansible? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For our and for our listeners tonight, uh, what you missed was the look of "fuck off, Gary" given <laughs> no, by Greg. No, no, it it took me a second to figure out what the hell he was talking about. But Gary was apparently going back to a joke from a few weeks ago about how the fact that we disagree on how to pronounce the word a u n t. Exactly, Gary. How do you pronounce it? Aunt, aunt. Right. That's then how just do you the tell the little, little crawly things? That is also, also an ant. He also says lanch. <laughs> We're going to lanch this now, right out there. Yeah, technically, <laughs> you also have to deal with the fact that the container that has water or lemonade in it, a pitcher, that thing that's hanging on the wall that has a drawing on it, that's also a pitcher, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, okay, picture, yeah. Uh, do you say... Uh, Pop or soda? It's soda. Yeah, but that's... that's where, but like coupon or coupon? Coupon. Coupon, yeah. yeah. Coupon. Coupon. Okay, so there you go. Oh, you fucking freak. <laughs> See, <laughs> how do you like it? It's like pecan or pecan. <laughs> or pecan. Uh, um, pecan. Uh, yeah. so Let's go out pecan. and play in the creek behind in the... In the creek. Yeah, that's northern. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a northern. Or we live in Bear County. Stupid Texans. 
It's Bexar or Behar. <laughs> like that comedian, Joy Behar. Not familiar. No, neither am I. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Moving on. Voyagers are powered by plutonium, are they not? They're one, they're one of the first nuclear, uh, nuclear-powered vehicles. As far as I know... Uh, the, the Voyager definitely had several batteries just filled to the brim with plutonium-238. Yeah. So, once it got past 88 miles an hour... <laughs> <laughs> See, folks, that's how you do a movie reference. Yep, and at that speed, it's just getting past the moon about now. <laughs> so, so what we're saying is, is that Voyager is actually... Now in 1950s, trying to get into the enchanted... <laughs> Wearing a puffy vest and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Voyager, among many of the satellites that we send out past, say, the Mars-ish area, like Galileo or New Horizons or something like that, are powered by nuclear batteries mm-hmm. because they're things like chemical batteries don't last long enough. I, um, I'm not familiar with this term, nuclear. Are you meaning nuclear <laughs> Nuclear? Are we getting into pronunciation arguments again? I told you, I'm tired, I'm silly, I didn't get a chance to read lived this in, week. Live so. in Texas through the Bush years. As long as we're still laughy punchy and not actual punchy with Donna, we'll be good. Yay. Basically, the other, matter, the other ways of powering a spaceship like solar panels don't work past Mars. Okay. Or even things like Curiosity, when we sent that to Mars, we didn't want to kill deal... The cat. <laughs> And Donna says she doesn't bring the snark. <laughs> the curiosity. I, I know. Okay. Cat in the head. It's funnier when I explain it. Yeah. I, well, was, I was throwing in another He was reference. looking for satisfaction. Can't get none. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to get the fuck back into the story. Just just go. Um, curiosity, because they didn't want to deal with like the, the two Mars rovers that were constantly getting dust on their uh, solar panels. They didn't want to deal with that, so they put plutonium in Curiosity. Yeah. And Curiosity has about 10 pounds of plutonium in it. Which is going to last a long time. Yes. The Voyager 1 batteries are supposed to last until, I think, 2020, 2025, somewhere in there. So the batteries won't last to when it gets to the Oort cloud, but it'll still be going like a bat out of hell. So the problem is that, according to some reports, the amount of plutonium-238 that the United States has that's allocated to NASA has dwindled to about 36 pounds. Which uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but... And it's not. It's not, because they're they're <laughs> planning on doing another kind of no, curiosity no. clone, and that's going to take another 10 pounds. Right. And uh, from what I've read in a couple of articles, it seems like the various missions that they have planned, some have been scrapped by the fact that we don't have enough plutonium, mm-hmm. and some, it's like we've overbooked a flight where we have these 10, 20 missions, but only enough power to power half of them. Sure. So, so this what, is a problem. So what you're <laughs> saying is is that NASA needs to find some sort of biofuel substitute plutonium I don't know that biofuel would work in space, unfortunately. But we can make we can make this stuff. Yeah, it it, it was originally made as a byproduct of making the balmy plutonium, which I think is plutonium two thirty nine. 
Yeah. Where this was kind of an almost 239 that kind of mucked up the process, but they saved it off to the side and said, oh, we can make spaceships with this. Mm-hmm. You can't make plutonium-238 into an explosive, so it's a good fuel spore, spores? A f- spork? <laughs> it's a good fuel spork. Fuck! Crap! <laughs> damnation! So it's a good fuel source that is not dangerous to make into bombs. But it's it's this kind of thing where it naturally decays and heats itself up, so it's nice and easy to put on a spaceship, one as a power source, so you can collect that heat and make power, but also to keep your spaceship from freezing. Mm. So it's this perfect fuel source, and because of the Cold War and international agreements and Congress being do-nothing idiots, we're not making any more of it. In fact, the last bit I think we got, we bought from the Russians... And the Russians claim to have a whole lot or be making some, but they're not selling either. So they may so be in the either, same boat. Well, they either don't have it or they're not willing to sell it. Yeah. Right. I, Russians, since the fall of the Iron Curtain, have been, how shall we say, iffy. Not exactly forthcoming with some of their stuff that we believe they have. Yeah, this and, could a, be and a dire need to raise currency at here's, times. Here's a, here's a question I, I've always thought. Okay, we have lots of spent fuel rods that are just radiating dangerous particles. The stuff that people have been trying to put in a cave in Nevada for yeah. 20 years, but nobody is willing to put it in their backyard. Yeah, no, it's, it's very dangerous stuff. I mean, you can't just... But it, I'm wondering if there isn't a way you can... At, you know, last minute, last thing you do is you shove a rod of that into whatever you're sending out into space and then send it out into space. I, I don't know, because I, I don't know what... Cause the, the, uh, yeah, I, I don't have yeah. enough information on what exactly, why you can't use the particles that are being emitted if they're so dangerous, why, you know, yeah. why, why you can't use those. I don't have the answer to that. Maybe someone should look into yeah. it. Yeah, because the, the thing about there's lots what, I've, what I've found on plutonium is its half-life is 88 years. So most of its fuelness is used up in 88 years. But it hasn't been 88 years since we began creating nuclear plants. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we're just using some other fuel source or for the nuclear plants or whatever it degrades into is not good enough even for secondary fuel sources. Like, yeah. you'd have to re-enrich it up to ter- 238 levels in order to right. m- make it work. I, d- I honestly don't know enough about nuclear power to know. Mm-hmm. All I know is it's kind of scary that our science program, it's bad enough that we have problems with Congress and budgetary issues and people not converting from English to metric systems and crashing probes into Mars and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's... But that's that we're running out of news. battery stuff. Well, and it's not just the battery stuff. I mean, there's also, uh, like, helium is becoming a, a rarefied thing because we've been using that in a lot of MRI machines. X-rays, the stuff they use for X-rays, yeah, is also yeah. depleting. So we all, all this stuff, we need to start building up again, and mm-hmm. we just don't apparently have the political willpower to start funding it. it perhaps... Someone in the private sector could do it, but then they're going to be charged, and then so everything. Yeah, there are rules about who can and cannot create. Because apparently NASA itself can't make nuclear fuel; they're not allowed. Right. If you put it on the free market, then everything becomes expensive, and therefore everything becomes more expensive. (laughs) Right. 
So, I don't know. Uh, no solutions, but perhaps uh, listeners out there can uh, start looking at some themselves. Yeah, the, there's, according to some of the articles, all it would take was maybe 10 to 20 million per year to start making one to three... 10 to 20 million what? Dollars. Okay. To make, like, between, I don't know, three and ten pounds-ish per year, I think it is. And that could quickly get us back up to what we reasonably need for space missions alone. But there are things like when NASA gets their budget for experimenting on how to do this, because we don't really have as much of the facilities anymore, they get like $5 million or something like that, or it's earmarked and then cut and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so when uh, that all goes away, then um, a lot of space exploration comes to an end. And speaking of coming to an end... Uh, the deep the impact. The podcast is over. Exactly. Oh. No, not quite. Mm, uh, sorry, Donna, you're still day. here. Uh, deep Impact, the comet probe that <laughs> impacted, it shot shot a slug into a comet and recorded what, what it was composed of. And then, because it was so cool, they sent it flying around the solar system to another to an asteroid, I think it was. No, it was another comet. It was another comet and took, took more pictures of that. They finally decided to shut that one down. Well, it kind of shut itself down. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they stopped listening. Poor, poor thing. It's, it, it's something like the, the computer that controls its attitude had some kind of software glitch, which meant it went off kilter. Uh, so it's kind of just sitting out there tumbling. Yeah, so the, the dish that points back to Earth is no longer pointing towards Earth. Uh-huh. And also that means that the solar panels are not pointing directly at the sun. Right. So it's been like... August eighth uh, was the last. Degree. Yeah, some, it's it's been a month or so since we've heard from it, and they've tried and tried and tried, and now it's just like, okay, well, we tried. Yep. But it's it's done other cool science besides looking at comets. They've used it to stare at other stars to see if there's a light dip from a planet going in front of right, it. So it turned into a planet hunter. Yeah, and and this is awesome about some of the satellites we sent up and probes like Voyager. We retasked to do something else like figure out the heliopause. Even these single-use missions get used for other stuff. Yeah, you can get multi... Yeah, exactly. Multi-use once you figure out what you want to use them for. Like Uh, pocket knives. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. No. (laughs) Yay, I brought that conversation to a screeching, awkward halt. However, uh, the Spitzer Space Telescope, which, unfortunately, they lost the... They lost two of four gyroscopes, which which allow them to allows NASA to position it. They thought they figured out another use for it, and exactly as you said uh, before, Deep Impact went offline. They're going to use the Spitzer Space Telescope to do planet hunting. Very cool. And while it can't take as good resolution, say, as some of these other ones, the science behind it is actually pretty cool because. What they found out was after they lost the second gyroscope, the satellite was having uh, a wobble. So with a wobble, you can't really do anything with it if you can't control it. It turns out that it was a heater that kept on turning on and off, and they found out they don't need the heater anymore. So they turned that off, so that helped stop the wobble. And then they Are found they sure it was a wobble and not a wibble? Uh, that's they called it a wobble. Weebles wobble and they don't fall down. Yep. Well, you can't. I fall just want to know why you guys keep talking about that crappy Robert Duvall Taylor Leone movie from the mid '90s, around the time of Armageddon. 
Would that be deep impact? Yeah. We're, we've moved on. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, literally, wow. I keep hearing, I keep hearing the words deep impact. So. At least she was going for that movie and not <laughs> something from AdamandEve.com. Yeah, awkward silence. So, uh, <clears throat> let me just pull out the paper here. Uh, I can't read my writing. <laughs> so, what they've done is to help it do its new repurposed mission is they can use a thing called the pointing control reference sensor. They can use that to point at a distant light, and that will help control the uh, wobble. The, the the wobble even more, and. And then they found out that they had to characterize all of the individual pixel sensors to capture the light. So basically all they're going to be doing is watching, uh, trying to find something called a transit, which is when a planet moves in front of the light that we can see, or the satellite can see, and so the light will dim. Mm-hmm. As it goes, and so the more it dims, the larger the planet, or the further away that, and there's all kinds of different ways to determine that which we won't go into and I don't know anyway but what they figured out is they can choose which pixel they're going to use and in fact they're only using a quarter of that pixel to do this sensing wow I thought a pixel was either on or off and it's that was the nature of a, a pixel apparently there's you can fine tune it even more a quarter pixel if you're NASA yeah a quarter <laughs> of a pixel is what they're going to be using to discover this I guess my guess is Using that is you can really test the sensitivity of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can. I you thought get they were just going for another really blurry alien spaceship photo. It, it's quite possible. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I, I think it's really cool that they've they've repurposed the Spitzer and they figured out how to how to use it until everything on it kind of just eventually dies. So cool! <laughs> Yay, NASA and engineering. It's very cold in space, so everything's cool up there. Yes, it is. Even in the space station. Oh, the space station. Would that be the International Space Station? The ISS? Sure, because we have dozens of space stations, because it's the 21st century. As opposed to the uh, secret CAA and NSA ones? That and Air Force ones that we're not supposed to know about. The one that's shaped like Deep Space Nine. No, these are serious ones. Uh, oh, okay. That there's probably uh, another. They're orbiting serious. The star. No. Serious. You said it was serious. Yes, it's very serious. As long as it's not black. Are we being racist? No. <laughs> no, not we aren't. Donna is. <laughs> no, I'm making a Harry Potter reference. Ah. <laughs> what I'm, are we talking about now? <laughs> We've decided never, to change the subject from astronomy to Harry Potter. Okay, so so going back, not serious, but but Cygnus. Oh, Cygnus. Yeah. Well, that's the name of the capsule, right? That's the name of the the capsule that I was trying to deliver some stuff to. International Space Station, but there was a problem uh, with the GPS. Uh, they they got the timing wrong. There is always a problem with GPS. I uh, never no. get you where you want to go. Yeah, you know you why? Plug because in they were using International Space Station, and it takes you out to Mars. Well, that's because they were using Apple Maps. We should find the people who work in GPS and try to program with the GPS and beat them with sticks. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> 
What's with me? Plus, I'm not doing that. Anyway, uh, yeah. So they 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 were using a a different time stamp than what is what what they needed to get up to the ISS. The, uh, so they could have basically mistimed the docking with the ISS and crashed or well, missed. Well, timing timing is everything with GPS. <laughs> Literally, that that's how you locate where you are is all about the timing. And so they were off by like a what a thousand minutes or something. Holy cow. So what they were using is they were using a, an older version of the GPS format, which wasn't compatible with the location system on the ISS, which is something that you probably should have known. Right. But we, I guess when, I mean, when you say GPS, GPS has a specific meaning, meaning the Global Positioning System, which is U.S.-based, run by the Air Force, blah, blah, blah. Whereas there's the uh, GNSS, and then there's Japan has their own... System specifically for uh, using geosynchronous satellites. Russia's got GLONASS, which is up there. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of different ones, but they they weren't. For why is the ISS using Japanese? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, now who's racist? Yeah, it's not, it has nothing to do with race. It's, it, it's American no. space station, isn't it? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's international. Just, oh yeah, that just, means America, doesn't it? Can just. <laughs> No, they're just trying to turn Japanese. Ah, <laughs> very nice. So anyway, but you can do that with AdamandEve.com. Yeah, I'm sure you can. The point is that their their software was incorrect. It couldn't. It wasn't matching up, and so they couldn't dock properly. They, they couldn't dock safely. So they had to upload new software that fixed this glitch. And during that time, uh, Russia was sending up some other astronauts. So uh, the Cygnus had to... Had to wait. Had to wait. This is good news because this is the second non-governmental capsule to be launched to try to rendezvous with the ISS. This is the second company, I think it's Orbital Science Corporation or Sciences, and this is their first try. Mm -hmm. And their first try is only delayed by a slightly little glitch, but nothing blew up. Yep. It means a little bit more privatization might be coming to space, which means mm. it might get a little bit more routine, might get a little easier, maybe a little cheaper. Maybe a little bit safer. Maybe. But at least this kind of just lo- launching into low Earth orbit, the technology is pretty well proven by all the Apollo stuff, all the space shuttle stuff, all the Soyuz capsules or whatever. We know that pretty well. So mm. for to hand that off to local industry or something, eh, it's not so bad. It's trying to reach Mars and New Horizons and all that kind of stuff that seems like the government is keeping a handle on for well, now. Well, it's just so so damn expensive. Yeah. Because, I mean, we, when you do something like to Mars, it's not just sending off the probe and then that's it. You You have to hire all of the people for the duration of that mission. So that's going to be five, five years. Could be a decade. Years. Yeah, exactly, like the... Like the uh, sojourn and there the, might have been people who were still working on the Voyager program who started in the seventies. Well, well, there are, yeah, exactly. It's an interesting problem on receiving the signal because it's so such a small signal. By the time it gets gets here, it's uh, you're talking about Voyager. Voyager, yeah. well, almost any of them, yeah, because we're talking milliwatts or less. Actually, Voyager is in. Oh, blast! I looked that up. It's a very very small. I, w- I don't want to say it's a nanowatt, but Wow. It has to, it's very specific. 
So you, we have to use, like, you, the very large array to pick up some slight little, little bits well, here Well, yeah, and, there. and you need to know where to look, and then, I mean, you can pick stuff out, but just the processing to do that is, is incredible. But the point is, it's very expensive because you have to have all of this infrastructure, not just this, you know, not just the, the buy... 15 million gallons of gas to, just to get it up there, but then you have to basically pay for the food mm-hmm. and the gas and the homes of everybody that's going to be working on that on that project for the for the entire duration. And also, you spend a little bit more on the thing itself if yeah. you're trying to make this thing to launch and then land somewhere, or launch and survive the environment around Saturn or Jupiter or something. You have to test it and test it and retest it and maybe develop new technologies where. Yeah. The low Earth orbit stuff is, yeah, you put a capsule on top of a rocket, shoot it up, generally you're going to hit the space station. <laughs> or dock with the spaceship. <laughs> hope that, you know, well, that's what I hope. Yeah. Anyway. So, but that was pretty cool that you can send something up there, realize something's wrong, and fix it. A lot easier than what happened with, say, Apollo 13, but that was like an explosion. Right. But and just, that was the infancy of those technologies. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you can just, you know, point a satellite at your vehicle and send it new new software, and away it goes. Docking with the space station. And like now you. the space capsule is running on IS-7. I, <laughs> all right. I guess what we got moving on, then. Oh, uh, we were talking about the Mars, actually. Speaking of Mars... Speaking of Mars, we're about to get invaded by Martians! No, we're not. I'm just... No, we're, I mean, we're, we've been talking for the last... Uh, sorry. Science. The space exploration groups have been talking about Mars for forever, but it's become reasonable to start really thinking about sending humans to mm-hmm. Mars. And I guess the first lady in space wants to be one of the first people on Mars. Is that right? Correct? Valentina Tereshkova, who's <gasps> in her 70s now. She's one of their, I think it's something like 200,000 people signed up to be volunteers to mm-hmm. be one of the first people on a one-way trip to Mars. Yeah. And from what I understand, the... I guess it's the private company that's going to be doing it is going to take the next year or two to whittle those numbers down, take out people like me who are well overweight or have asthma. Or, or maybe the perfect person to send. I, I don't know why, but... Because I, mean, I can't breathe well sometimes. And well, maybe you'll breathe better in, in the type of place. Because it's a dry heat. Okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she said she'd, be, she'd love to do it, and I think she's been one of the ones... To sign up, but it'd be an interesting thing to say because there are still some issues with traveling to Mars. There's the interstellar radiation problem, which which is actually the problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's Get a there. food problem. There's a fuel problem. Well, yeah, but but okay, the the food if you run out that. That's bad, but you can plan for your food. Right. So you it's can a matter of send off capsules first. Yeah, you can that meet are up stocked with, with it, food. Or you can, can send seeds that'll yeah, you there's, grow. There's a whole bunch of things that you can do to mitigate the food problem. Yeah. Uh, both on the way and there, and the, the fuel is kind of the same thing. It's basically you can do a, a short burst. You can maybe take two years and just have more food or grow your own food. That's the way, but. We don't have a way right now to deal with the radiation because we don't have anything 
that's affected by the solar radiation. There's, I mean, there's stuff up there, but we don't have anybody up there to do any experiments to try and figure out the best way to do that. Right. You know I mean, saying? we can do thought experiments with kind of magnetic fields or, or yeah. water barriers, because water is actually incredibly effective in dealing with that. Yeah, exactly. But if you use water to shield yourself from the radiation, does that mean the water you drink is radioactive? Or do you just have to pee into a tube and create your interstellar shield as you go along? And or? does it have to be water, or can it be ice? Is ice as effective? I think ice is not quite as probably as effective as, as water because it's more crystalline form, so easy to get through. I don't know. I don't know. But it's a problem. Yeah. But there, it, it seems like plenty of people have signed up to volunteer to go on a one-way trip to Mars, even if we haven't figured that out, apparently. Yeah. I'm curious, would you guys be willing to do that? That's a tough one. I would really like to. I think if I were offered, I would probably say yeah. But I'm not going to volunteer because I'm enjoying what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I haven't yeah. signed up myself, but I would go in a heartbeat. Yeah. Just, I mean, right. to be remembered as one of the first people on yeah. Mars. Right now, I just want to sign up for that NASA sleep study. The yeah, 70 cool. days in bed, and you get paid $18,000. I'm kind of going, that sounds really, really... Is it a sleep study or just a stay-in-bed study? Yeah, just stay in bed. Okay. NASA, a NASA study recruiting volunteers to lie in bed that is tilted downward at a 60-degree angle for 70 days. Subjects who complete the entire bed rest project can earn up to $18,000. Wait, down? In other words, your head is below your body? Or is it feet down? It looks like it's towards the head because it says researchers are requiring participants to stay on a slight tilt which is intended to allow fluids to move towards the upper part of the body. That would allow researchers to study cardiovascular symptoms similar to what might be experienced during a space expedition. That's true because one of the problems of zero-g flight is that gravity usually pulls the fluids to the bottom of the body so the body is used to trying to pump that back up. And, and replenish the fluids, but we lose a lot of fluids in mm-hmm. when we go to space because not it's not collecting in the bottom, so the the body's sensors that says, oh, you got to produce more fluids and deal with that, aren't being tripped. Yeah, there's a couple... You're right. You also lose, what, bone mass? Bone mass and stuff like that. And strength in your arms and, and uh, I mean, you know, some of that is just the floatiness, but it's yeah. also the weird distribution of fluids and... Everything yeah, in your body. The fact that we we're evolved to live on Earth. Yes. Okay. In spite of which some is another problem of spending a year and a half going to Mars. Well, yeah. Well, and it's despite you know some people who say that no Earth was designed to be here because it's <laughs> the perfect distance from the sun and blah, 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 we have the right amount of oxygen that all of our bodies need and blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mr. Mers from sixth grade science. You still suck. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay. she's, she's, pull, she's pulling stuff from, from way back. <laughs> no, I remember that because in, in my sixth grade, we didn't move classes, but my teacher that I had for sixth grade and the next door room, which was Mr. Murs, would trade, and he would come over and do mm-hmm. science, and our teacher would do, like, art or something. Yeah. I don't know. And he was always going on and on and on and basically about intelligent design. He didn't call it creationism and, you know, Back in the 80s, they didn't really have the term intelligent design yet. And so he always was going on and on and on about how the Earth is perfect for human life, that it wasn't a coincidence. 
And now I can sit here and hear all of those terms in my head and think back and going, oh, this sounds yeah, vaguely familiar. Creationism doesn't seem to quite gather the fact that the universe in 99.999% of the universe is trying to kill us. Yeah. Not you, Harpo. You're fine. You're not trying to kill us. <laughs> well, you didn't know that. She just wants attention. <laughs> what were we talking about? Well, we were talking about Russian, the, the Russian who wanted to go to Mars, oh, and yeah. the problem with Mars, and then we kind of got off on a rant on creationism, yeah. which is understandable because real science says that the these are problems we have to deal with, that the universe is not this perfect, happy place that everything that can That was live. created for us. Yeah. Or with us in mind. So, you, you know, you have to deal with, okay, you need centrifugal force things to keep the body kind of used to having fluids at the bottom and exercise machines to keep yourself muscles going, calcium supplements and stuff so you don't go all brittle. And then there's the radiation, and then where's all your food coming from? But I still think it'd be awesome to go to Mars. I think it'd be awesome, too. I think it would be go- awesome. To, I, I would enjoy going to Mars, I think. Maybe. I don't know. I think, I think, tired I think some of the days may, may suck, but I think overall the trip would the, be The cool. nights will be fantastic because of the disco. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you said the days would be a problem. Well, you know that implies that the nights no, 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 would no, be I different. Said, like one or a couple of days, you'll be oh, like okay. completely. You know, I got God. I just want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you might get space dementia. <laughs> well, <laughs> occasionally when they talk about the, uh, you know, who are we going to send on these long-term missions to Mars or something like that, they talk about well, should we send a couple? Sure. Because they're used to being around each other and they can help each other relieve stress with personal massage. Yeah, but to me this is hardly any different than sending people to the New World. The the, the concept is the same, except, of course, when you come to the New World, you're not going to a... They weren't coming to a place that they thought didn't have oxygen or knew didn't have oxygen. But there be dragons. It could have been dragons, but you could possibly bypass them. But the, the point is, is a one-way trip for many. And a lot of people died along the way. Yeah. I mean, even after they knew we had colonies, people were dying on the way over here. I think we can do better than that. We don't have to worry quite as much about scurvy anymore, but (laughs) deadly interstellar radiation. Right. Exactly. That's the scurvy of the 21st century. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You've got the space scurves. Could well be. You don't know. Yeah. You know, people start growing a third limb. Fifth. <laughs> third arm. Jesus. People start growing a I third arm. I thought you two already had that. I don't know what was going on over there. I don't know. I know. What, I was thinking third arm, you know, at the back, just as a conversation piece. But, yeah. Well, there was news today that scientists grew a nose on a guy's forehead. What? Yeah, let me see if I can no, find No, no, repeat that. They, scientists grew, a using nose. stem cells, a nose on a guy's forehead. Great, so that's where the Vogons come from. <laughs> <laughs> I thought all they did was kind of implant, like, a structure underneath it and just stretch the skin like you do with breast implants. A patient injured in a car wreck gets a new organ made from his rib cartilage and skin. Um, it was actually done in China. Uh, or growing a replacement nose on the forehead of a 22-year-old man injured in a car accident. The technique updates the common practice of reconstructive plastic surgery. 
and they got like a little. Okay. I yeah, I saw one of the pictures earlier this this today. I saw one of the pictures earlier today, and apparently, they yeah they grow it on his forehead. My question is, is if they're regrowing him a nose using cartilage and tissues and bone and stuff like that in order to give him a new nose, why didn't they grow it in his nose area? <laughs> well, why would you do that? You have to, what if something went wrong? Now you have to cut it off and reattach it to the nose area and all those redo all the blood vessels and stuff like that. I couldn't say. I'm going to take a, a slight guess here. And this is just... Par for the course for this podcast. My guess is because they probably needed a solid bone surface. Okay. Because... As opposed to the gaping hole that is our sinus cavity. They probably needed a a more solid... Foundation. Right, because of the the size and the structure of it. Because they've grown ears on arms. Mm Mm-hmm. Which are a little bit more smaller and not as pronounced... Or something. Oh, so it's a cute little button nose. No, it's not. No, it's this big honking nose. Well, no, thing. the one on the head is. Yeah. But the one on the arm, you said it's smaller. So no, it's I said ear. it in ear. Oh, ear. Oh, well, that's not cute. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just imagining because it does have more, like, basically basic surface area on the the bottom mm-hmm. part that they probably needed a, a heavier anchor point. Hmm. Interesting. That would be my guess. Yeah. Amazing to see once we finally start growing noses on foreheads of people on Mars. <laughs> Eventually we'll get there. What, to Mars or growing noses on people at Mars? Both. So basically you're you're well, you're thinking it's uh it's the Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle with the three breasts and No, I'm and I'm more thinking continuing your metaphor of new world exploration. Ah. We have a few one-shot, kind of sending people there, kind of disastrous. (laughs) (laughs) Presumably, it won't be disastrous, and you'll be sending further people. You send someone there, they live the rest of their lives there, and that's that. Sure. Then eventually you start being able to do round trips, and whatever, you build up an actual colony colony and society there, and eventually they will be able to do their own science and do their own medicine and do their own research, including growing noses on people's foreheads. Sure, because they wouldn't be, uh, what, uh, have the moral or ethical qualms that we here on the uh, in on Earth do. Yeah, we Earthicans don't grow noses on people's foreheads, but those damn Martians, they will do Darn it any day. Darn straight tootin'. They probably do stem cell research by heathens. And then Mars can have a baseball team, and they'll always cheat because they have a thousand Ooh, home runs. Oh, and then they can enter in the Miss Universe contest. And then it'll finally <laughs> actually make sense, but still be completely sexist. Exactly. <laughs> kind of like that crazy stuff with, uh, was it Miss USA, Miss America, who was of Recently. Indian descent? Yeah. And everybody Miss was America. calling her a Muslim terrorist kind of thing. Well, not everybody. There were stupid tweeters calling her a Muslim terrorist and... Uh, yeah. I figured they were going to be more upset about the the Chiquita banana that was competing with the tattoos. Yeah, but it was a prayer. It was the serenity prayer. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> the serenity prayer? Yeah. She had it tattooed on her on her side. The the one the one to to uh to not the Joss Whedon show. <laughs> oh, okay. The the one used by people in AA and NA 
Oh, grant me the serenity okay. to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom. Because uh, I, I, w- I would have stopped. I would have stopped it. Just grant me the serenity. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have my DVD. Yeah, so the, the 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 serenity prayer, the one to Jane. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. Oh look, a dead horse. Let's beat it. Yeah. I think uh, that probably brings us to about the end. I, I don't know uh, unless you want to talk about the schadenfreude of Kevin Trudeau getting thrown in jail. Oh, that's briefly. right. Well, yeah, he was... Strangely, he, he was, doesn't... He's he, a Teflon Don, that guy. Yeah, in case you're wondering, I, was it Australia? No, it was the United no, States. No, U.S. District Court. He has, uh, appears to have had some court-ordered financial... Difficulties? Well, he uh, will have financial difficulties. Requirements that he, that uh, things that he does has to be approved through the court. Right, because previously he was found in contempt and had to pay like a $37 million fine or something. Yeah, which. And they froze all his assets. Yeah, so that was like a year ago, a year and a half. Maybe something like that, yeah. Yeah, because I remember we talked. Because originally it was a couple hundred thousand or a million dollars, and that's like nothing, and he'd just pay him. But they finally did something that was actually going to hurt him a little bit and told him he couldn't do that. So what he's been doing is kind of. He went on a spending. I'll call it a spree. We don't really know, but. We mostly know because he tried to transfer money onto like a credit card or debit card or something, and that yeah. showed up on his financials, and then started spending gobs and gobs amount on haircuts and cigars and shit. Yeah, and the, so the court said no, that's that's not good, and so they put him in jail briefly, and now he paid. You know, sure they froze his assets, but apparently not because he can afford to get out of jail. Yeah, and now he's wandering around weirdly. Uh, he doesn't mention any of this on his website. On his website, you'd think mm-hmm. he'd be railing against the government, but maybe that's no, part of the court so order. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that, the... that may very well be. There's that you know that pesky thing usually called gag orders, yeah. and judges but, are kind of fond of. But those. he has been making public statements to things like saying to the judge that, "Oh, I'm poor, I'm homeless, I'm penniless. Yeah. Please forgive me. I will cooperate this time." That yeah. kind of stuff. Well, and it's kind of ironic because the stuff that he got famous on used the titles and, and the phrase, you know, the stuff they don't want you to know. Apparently, there's stuff that he doesn't want you to know. He's not being quite upfront about his legal problems. No, or finances for that matter. Well, since Kevin Trudeau is such a schmuck, maybe you should go out there and give him a little bit of Web of Trust website or web shite rating. Yeah. Um, we are his, not going to tell you how to rate it, but we would kindly suggest... We won't tell you how we will strongly imply. <laughs> his primary website seems to be ktradionetwork.com. He does do some YouTube videos, I think, but that's his main site, KT for Kevin Trudeau, radionetwork.com. But also there's this other website out there, globalinformationnetwork.com, which seems to be this weird kind of pyramidish scheme type thing a scammer who's also doing a pyramid scam next thing you know he's got a nigerian cousin who wants to give us all a million dollars sweet i wouldn't put it past him yay but pyramids have power so do crystals so do i crystals and pyramids have more power than you oh that wasn't very nice (laughs) gary Although, if you're talking about electrical power, you have quite a bit more, and it's fairly cheap. 
his, you know, electricity to the house. Greg's still sad. <laughs> sad you Gerg also have is more sad. political influence than pyramids <laughs> or crystals. Sad Gerg is sad. Yes. Wow. You guys are. I'm. Wow. T- it's been that kind of week. <laughs> I'm tired. He's. I don't know. Well, on that and note, I think snarky. we should just end then. Let's just go home. Well, hold well, on. No, we have to wrap up. We need oh, you to wrap shoot. up. While Gary's preparing his wrap up, just reminding you, ktradionetwork.com and globalinformationnetwork.com. Go install your Web of Trust plugin if you haven't done already and give him a rating and show just how much you want him to know. So, what did we learn today? Well, we learned that supporting gay people makes mice incredibly strong. We learned that walrus mustaches also have birthdays. <laughs> Especially if they're attached to people, I don't know. We learned that Dells are computers, which can also be measurements of pain. I've heard that, yes. <laughs> uh, we've learned that space is full of radioactive cool gadgets. Or cool radioactive gadgets, depending on how you want to read that. And hopefully in the future years, more neat radioactive gadgets than we hope. And maybe they don't have to be radioactive. We don't know yet. Yes. Uh, And last, we learned that Kevin Trudeau has things that he doesn't want you to know. That's pretty much what we learned this week. I think so. I think you two learned it. I think I slept through most of that. Quite possibly. And every once in a while, woke up and said, D-Bag Zach! (laughs) <laughs> what? Deep Impact Chopra? What? Yes. Yep. The wisdom of Deep Impact Chopra. <laughs> oh, Deep Impact. That's where you were going. <laughs> All right. So thank you for joining us this week. Thank you, Greg and Donna. Thank and... you, Gary and Donna. Thank you, Greg and Gary. Such sincerity. And we will talk Hey, I, I've mustered up all that I can, okay? <laughs> and we will talk with you next week. Well, I probably won't be here, but. But these two probably will. At least one of us will. Maybe not. Maybe we'll just put out a a test tone, 60 hertz test tone, for an hour and a half. (laughs) Or I'll just talk (laughs) at people. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Well, he's he's a bad, 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 bad man. Yeah, yeah. but he's dating like a 20-year-old, so you know it can't be all that bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm I... cutting that and putting that to the side <laughs> the next time you start dating a woman. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs>